0: Chapter 3 I heard the river before I saw it, bubbling and gurgling against the shore. Later that night, David, Ezra, and I were walking down the road from the farm to the river. A half-moon hung high in the sky. It was midnight, and I was sleepy and irritable. Why can't we build it in the barn? I grumbled. Everyone and their dog will find out if we built it in the barn, David said. You know, nothing stays secret in Saybrook for more than five minutes. We might as well put up a sign that says, Calling all Tories, submarine being built here. So where are we going to build it? We'll be there soon enough, David said. Ezra and I scurried to keep up with David. It's on Poverty Island, out in the middle of the river, Ezra whispered. In in the middle of the river? I asked. On... on an island? Yep, yeah, it used to be a fisherman's island, but folks don't really go out there anymore. Ezra was unfazed, but I wasn't. To get to the island, we had to cross half the river. And the Connecticut was no pachug. I glimpsed the water in the distance. Sleek, turbulent, and terrifying. In a few minutes, we arrived at the river's edge. Edge. David peered suspiciously at the shadows along the shore while Ezra dragged a small boat out of the reeds. "'Let's go,' David said, all business. He and Ezra stepped into the boat. I stood on the shore, trying not to tremble. "'Nate, we don't have all night,' David hissed. "'You can do this.' "'All right,' I stammered, shuffling down the bank. I leaned backwards, keeping as much distance between the water and myself as possible. Finally, I stepped into the boat. The moment I felt the awkward pulse of water beneath me, I closed my eyes, lurched, and fell. Strong arms caught me. When I opened my eyes, black water rippled a foot from my face. Ezra hauled me up and set me down. "I'll row going, you row back, Ezra said to me. Neither he nor David seemed to give a second thought to my blunder. Sure, I said, trying to sound casual. David was scrutinizing the opposite shore. Ain't no Tories here, big brother, Ezra said. This is Connecticut. All the Tories are in New York. David shook his head. They're everywhere. I can smell them. Lots of people are still loyal to the king, even here. I could tell I was in the middle of an old argument. Ezra winked at me and pulled hard at the oars. I watched wistfully as the shore quickly receded. Soon, we were surrounded by dark, fast-flowing water. I gripped the wood plank seat tightly and tried to act like I wasn't scared. Powered by Ezra's meaty arms, the boat moved swiftly to the island. In minutes, we were stepping out onto a small strip of beach. Poverty Island was about 100 yards long and 50 yards wide, a speck in the mighty, Con- a speck in the mighty Connecticut. David headed straight for a little grove of trees. "'Come on, gentlemen, we haven't got all night,' he said, disappearing into the trees. Ezra rolled his eyes at me and smiled. "'Wait till you've gone a couple weeks working days on the farm for Elias "'and nights for Master Bushnell,' he said. "'The other day I fell asleep hoeing and woke up with my face in the dirt. "'As I slipped into the trees, I understood why David had selected Poverty Island. "'The trees perfectly concealed the island's interior.' It would take a determined spy to find the submarine's hiding place. I followed Ezra into a little clearing where an old shed stood. Yellow lantern light leaked through cracks in the walls. If anyone ever sees us, the story is that David has taken up fishing and the shed is for the reel that he winds his net on, Ezra said. David was sitting on his haunches between two huge pieces of wood. Each was about seven feet long, six feet wide, and shaped like a tortoise shell. I recognized them instantly from David's drawings, the outer shell of the submarine. It's made of oak timbers, six inches thick, David said, standing up. Tonight, we'll finish fastening the timbers together. I found an ironmonger in lime to, la- to make some iron bands. In a couple days, we'll seal the joints with cork and plaster, the whole thing with tar. It's going to be tight as a drum, no leaks. "'That's good to hear, since I'll be manning this thing,' Ezra said. "'When I gave David a confused look, he explained. "'I've decided I can't take on the redcoats all by myself,' he slapped Ezra on the shoulder. "'I'm going to let my little brother pilot my machine.' "'Your health?' I began. "'And of course, I've got to finish rigging the explosive device,' David said, abruptly changing the subject.' I'm going to New Haven in a few weeks to meet with a man who's going to make the clock that sets the bomb off. How'd you get it done so fast? I asked. You just got back from Yale yesterday. I actually started working on it last summer. Ezra and I got a lot done. When the fighting started at Lexington, I was tempted to drop out of school and finish the submarine, but I've wanted my degree for so long. David shrugged, a guilty look in his eyes. A lot of the boys went to Boston to join the army. It got real hard when General Washington stopped by New Haven and the Yale Regiment drilled for him. I wanted to follow him all the way to Boston to fight the blasted British, but I stayed put and got my degree. Now I want to put that to good use. You know, we really ought to name this thing, David, Ezra said. "Submarine" doesn't have much of a ring to it. David seemed puzzled. A name? That never occurred to me. But I guess they do name ships. He looked at me. Doesn't your father's boat have a name? The Claire Diana, I said quietly. Like. Nah, not manly enough, David said. How about the Israel Putnam or the. He must have seen something in my eyes because he shut up suddenly. I'm sorry, Nate. I'm sorry, Nathan. I forgot that Claire was your mother's name. It's all right, I said. It's been a long time. I shook off the sadness and looked at the two halves of the submarine lying on the dirt floor. It looks just like a turtle, I said brightly. David chortled. (laughs) You're right, Nate. It does look like a turtle. He rubbed his chin thoughtfully. But it still needs something else. Something revolutionary. I know. Let's call it the American Turtle. We're Americans fighting for America, and this is our submarine. Ezra didn't seem impressed. Well, gents, that's a lovely, if unromantic, name. But personally, I'd like to get more done tonight than naming this little contraption. Strong as an ox, Ezra heaved one of the halves while David and I hoisted up the other. While I held our half steady, David went outside and retrieved several large logs. He wedged one against each side of the submarine, placing the end of each log in small holes dug into the floor. All right, let her go, David said. We stepped back and I felt a surge of pride. The submarine, the American turtle, stood in one whole piece. She was round like an onion, not so turtle now, about a foot taller than me. For the next several hours, we worked quietly, sweating in the stuffy little shed. We fitted iron bands around the submarine, sealing the two halves tightly together. I've really missed working on this thing, David said. It's taken over my mind. I've gone over every inch of it, figured out how to make every valve and pipe work, how to make the bomb work. David paused, and when he spoke again, the menace in his tone startled me. It's got to work, he said. We've got to strike those British for what they're doing. They've invaded us. They're taxing us to high heaven. We've got to fight back and drive them out of America. I'd heard talk like David's for a long time. Everyone in New London read newspapers and talked about British oppression and taxation without representation. Papa went down to the Green Dragon Tavern every night and grumbled with the other men about British taxes on tea. Post riders galloped down from Boston with the latest news on the war. The war made everyone angry and suspicious all the time. You wondered who was a patriot and who was a Tory. Some people, like David, were spoiling for a fight. Some secretly sided with the British, and some flat didn't care. They just wanted to be left alone. It was strange not knowing if you could trust folks you'd known your whole life. All those different opinions confused me. I didn't like that the British taxed everything, and they were wrong to kill our men at Lexington and Concord and Bunker Hill. But other folks talked about how they were our fellow countrymen, how we were all English. David interrupted my thoughts. The only thing that can stop us is Tories, he said. One slip of the tongue could sink us, literally. You can't tell anyone— One Tory spy could ruin everything. We're talking life and death. You can't even tell your father or your friends. No one. Do you hear me? No one. I nodded. The life and death thing kind of scared me. Would they really kill you just for building a boat? It was like David was reading my mind. He pointed to the submarine in the flickering lantern light. We're in a war, and this is a weapon of that war, he said. By creating the turtle, we've become combatants. We are now the enemy of the British Empire. Ezra and I let that sink in. Finally, Ezra spoke. Well, what do you say that we get on with building this weapon of war? I'd like to get a whole three hours of sleep tonight. David grunted and stood up. Nathan, go out and take a look around and see if the coast is clear. Ezra and I will finish up. I was hot and tired and glad for a chance to go outside. I stepped through the trees to the little beach. The river flowed by, dark and strong and threatening. The moon dimly lit the shoreline for several miles. Jutting out in the distance was Sills Point. The Saybrook Ferry, where it almost drowned nine years ago, was just beyond. Suddenly, I spotted a shadowy form moving on the far shore where our boat had been hidden. Was it a deer or a man? Oh, God, let it be a deer. The shadow stopped and seemed to stare straight across the water at me. Dang, it can't be a deer. Deer don't stand on two legs. In fact, the thick form looked eerily like Mr. Pratt. Heart racing, I ducked behind a bush and peeked through the branches. The riverbank was empty, just reeds and trees swaying in the soft wind. I crawled back to the shed. David and Ezra, who were tightening down the iron band, looked up. Nate, why are you crawling? David asked. I saw someone on the shore, I whispered. David was instantly agitated. I knew it, he explained. Someone found us out. Ezra yawned. It was probably a deer, he said. Wasn't it, Nate, just a thirsty deer getting a drink? Nope. It stared It stared across the water, straight at me, I said. It stood on two legs. David snuffled out the lantern and then the shed went dark. I turned and smacked my face straight into the stout side of the turtle. Yow! I yelled. Quiet, David hissed. We've got to sneak farther down river so the spy can't see us. Oh, great, Ezra groaned. That adds another mile to our walk home. We'll be just in time for breakfast. Come on, David, it's probably just someone out for a walk, wondering what fools are out on the island at two in the morning. To mask our escape, we dragged the boat to the other side of the island. We made a glorious racket, crushing bushes and snapping dead tree branches, but finally got the boat in the water and floated off. About a mile downstream, Ezra Ezra steered us toward the western shore. We saw and heard nothing. "'Are you sure you saw something, Nate?' David asked. "'The shoreline has a lot of shadows, and it's only a half-moon.' Maybe my eyes were playing tricks on me, but it sure looked like a man. I didn't add that I thought it was Mr. Pratt. Coast is clear, Captain, Ezra said to David. We climbed out of the boat, and this time when it lurched, I kept my balance. At David's direction, Ezra waded into a deep thicket of reeds and tied the boat to a submerged tree. Let our Tory spy find that, David said. I was bone tired. As we trudged the long miles home, I didn't think about the submarine or the revolution or Butch Hyde or being afraid of the water. All I could think of was sliding into my warm bed in the cozy loft. But then I thought of Rachel Pratt and my sagging eyelids popped wide open. If that was her father watching us, then he was probably a Tory. And if he was a Tory, what did that make her? And if I was in love with Rachel, what did that make me? Criminy, I thought. This war just keeps getting more and more complicated.